You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, that's uh First time, first time on the new podcast network. network <laughs> there we go. Bloop loops so, time. Loop loops. I think we had that our first live show as well, gentlemen, at uh, the bottom line. But uh, welcome to the first episode of Sticks in the Six, the Hockey Podcast Network Edition. Uh, boys, episode 124. And we got a lot to talk about as we get into our Maple Leafs. Um, but before we do, obviously this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at the Indiana house, as well as our new sponsors over at DraftKings and Raycon. Very excited to be part of the podcast network. And as we get it going here, gentlemen, Peter, it's been a long couple of weeks for us. We haven't been back in a while. So how are you doing, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah been a couple of weeks. Obviously a lot has happened since then. I know uh, me and Alex and you four, as we were doing those live, uh, reactions of the, games four and five uh game four great result game five not so much so a little bit bittersweet there but i've been doing good um you know had do again doing a lot of the writing uh, over at uh hockey news as well uh, hockey news uh, hockey writers <laughs> Jeez, yeah where <laughs> peter's already happening peter's about to get the pink slip from dean <laughs> yeah. it's already it's already <laughs> happening right now but um you know draft content's going the maple leafs content was going the last few weeks and you know i actually had some time to wind down and uh play some of that new legend of zelda tears of the kingdom and boys i must say I've been anticipating this game for a long time, and it is a 15 out of 10 for me. And I've only played, I would say, about a good couple hours. I have done nothing of the story, just exploring, which is what you usually do in a Zelda game. So I've been busy with, uh, obviously, the writing, but also taking time and enjoying a virtual world which I wish existed. There you go. There you go, Alex. Like I said, long couple weeks, buddy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, boys. Um, I mean, from a life perspective, things are going pretty well. I uh, just started a new TA job at my old college, so teaching some students that are in the uh, – well, teaching is a bit of a relative term, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm there to assist uh, students that were in the same position or are in the same position that I was in four years ago, so uh, it's a pretty rewarding experience. Um and uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely it's a better job, better second job than the other second job I had up until uh, or I still do have technically. So I guess I got three now. Um, things have been going well, though, from a life standpoint. Uh, obviously, I'm kind of ignoring the elephant in the room that we're going to spend a copious amount of time talking about today. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, boys. I can't really I can't really talk about my personal life and things outside of what we're about to get into. I just I can't I can't <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> Well, boys, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's been a couple couple weeks since we we jumped on together. First episode on the Hockey Podcast Network as uh, members of their family. Uh, very excited to get this this uh, going. Um, not so much excited to talk about, as you mentioned, the elephant in the room, Alex. Uh, but before we do that, my week, uh, my couple weeks, uh, I think I told you guys I made a nice big trade to add to this memorabilia um, in the in the basement here. The cave is getting a little bit. Uh, a little bit stronger with a nice Nathan McKinnon retro reversed signed jersey. I traded a Tristan Jari signed helmet, so that was uh, that was definitely a bonus of my week. Uh, on top of that, yeah, yeah. On top of that, um, yeah, I jumped on Global uh, Glo- Global National, as you guys know, as as uh, one of the hosts of the Sticks in the Six podcast. And what I thought was fantastic, and I'm going to keep bragging about this. I'm going to keep pumping my own tires because they put Matthews Marner. Jump to a quick clip of the Leafs winning in 1967, and then Andrew Forbes right here afterwards. So, (laughs) not bad, not bad. That is phenomenal. That is great. Follow up Matthews and Marner's disappointment of losing in the playoffs with Andrew Forbes from (laughs) (laughs) here to do the post mortem. Oh man, it was it was something. So I'm going to live that one up as much as I can. (laughs) On top of that, big shout out to my my uh, little guy. He turned three on Friday. So Oakley Forbes, happy birthday, Oak. We're only 15 years away from his draft year. So skates are on. We're we're getting that moving. 2036, baby. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, be, we'll, right. we'll be covered to draft by then. So that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, but boys, as you mentioned, we, we don't have 
we're not going to dive back into that second round. Obviously, a, dis- a lot of disappointment coming from from Leafs Nation again uh, with the second round exit, and really the effort wasn't really there uh, for through the first three games. I mean, they looked better in game five or game four and five, and and you know had a chance to come out with a couple of wins. But we got to dive into this Maple Leafs, uh, this Maple Leafs team, this Maple Leafs off season. What's lying ahead? I mean, you can tell by the the title of this episode, Dubis and Spets out. What fallout remains? There's a lot coming, and uh, it's not looking pretty so far. It's not looking pretty at all. So, let's jump into uh, let's. I mean, let's quickly touch on the second round. Okay, quickly touch on the second round. Talk about the uh, the the Riley goal that was disallowed. And I I know you know we did the, you guys did the live reaction show, um, which was a lot of fun for us. Um, but on top of that, like. I remember, like I was obviously at work. I walked in the break room. I saw the uh, saw the goal, and right away I said there was a bunch of guys there sitting there cheering. And they tied the game, and I, I right away I said they're going to disallow it. I just you you knew you knew mm-hmm. from the out <laughs> outset of that series that they there was something going, and the Leafs were not going to catch a break. And uh, again, they didn't catch a break. You can you can talk about the holding the stick on the game winning goal. You can talk about the continuous calls that didn't go their way, but. As I mentioned on Global, um, you know I'm not going to sit here and, and make excuses for the team. They looked terrible in the first three uh, first three uh, games, and and really ca- the outcome is something that they des- they deserve. So Peter, let's throw it to you first, buddy. Um, Riley disallowed goal. The overall play in that second round, and uh, you know obviously Florida's Florida's looking good heading heading into this third round here. Yeah, um, obviously that series was lost in the first three games. I mean, especially in games two and three where the Maple Leafs jump out to the lead and then they have nothing to show for after that. That, that to me alone is unacceptable. And especially after you did something that hasn't been done since 2003 slash four, where you actually won a playoff series. What, what is that, 19 years? <laughs> yeah. Like – you you've done something to like break that curse you've done something to like try and exercise the demons and yet you follow that up instead of taking that as motivation like what florida did knocking off the boston bruins taking that as motivation and running with it this team was lifeless in that series like they had their moments and they got their chances but they weren't in uh, in and around and buzzing the net just like they were against Tampa Bay. They were very timid. They were very laid back in their overall play. They had no response to the Florida Panthers in their aggressive uh, forecheck. I mean, you can call that what it is. It, like the fact that they just weren't prepared. They weren't expecting this kind of a fight. But then again, it's the playoffs. They knew it was going to get tougher. They knew it was going to get more intense and they were not ready. I mean, I, I believe it was both Tavares and Matthews saying that the job isn't done. The hard work is just about to begin or something like that. Something to that effect. And that's the effort that we get. You know, two goals from the top four players of this team. Matthews, no goals. Tavares, no goals. Marner was making mistakes left, right, and center. Nylander seemed to pick everything up. But... Yeah, that series was just a mess. And even the Riley disallowed goal, I agree with you. It, it was getting called back because you knew, based on history, what was going to happen. It was. It looked like it was like a, a play that could go either way. But then again, you see the puck cross the line in two really distinct angles. And this is literally the Justin Hall pick and roll like it was again last year, just in a different round, a different scenario. Um, but... I, again, you're not going to pinpoint it all on officiating because the Maple Leafs did this to themselves. They were their own demise, just like they were at certain points during the regular season. And how they didn't take that first-round series win as motivation and started to run with it, it's beyond me. I, I really don't understand because this team is always fragile with their mentality and their mindset, and they still can't get it together no matter what round it is. Alex, I mean, uh, obviously we don't want to touch on the second round too much here, but um, your, your breakdown of what what happened with the Leafs in that second round against Florida. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not gonna lie. I um, I I I, I th- 
knew that Florida was going to be a tough challenge in the second round. I think we talked about that right from the very start. As soon as they won, uh, as soon as Leafs got out of the first round, we started talking about, you know, what exactly was coming and what to expect from Florida. We knew they were going to come, come in swinging and uh, they did. So I don't think you can take that away from Florida, but at the same time, I thought the Leafs had just as good of a reason to have some momentum and run with it. You know, you can sit there all you want and say Florida, uh, yeah, they barely squeaked in as a wild card. They knocked off the best team in the league, so they're going to have a ton of momentum. They're going to plow through whatever team's in front of them. I spent the last, like, four years saying that when the Leafs finally do get that first-round monkey off their back, they are going to go on a tear. And that series just just completely shot on that take and made me look like an idiot for saying that for the past four years. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie, boys. You know what? This, this pod means so much to me and it means it means just as much to me as as everything else does in my life that being said i've talked about this second round breakdown and what went wrong on three different radio shows maple leafs lounge for the hockey writers i've written an article about it forbes you've talked on global news about it i am sick and tired of talking about this team boys i'm not gonna lie and i i I told you guys before this episode that i had a lot to say and no real way to say it i know that you guys both echo that sentiment I don't know how we're going to sit here and fill out a minute or a minute. See, I can't even, I, I, I can't even. Look at what this team is doing to us. They've got us rattled. They've got us rattled. I like, I, I, I don't know how we're going to sit here and just dissect this whole thing about this team again for the next hour or so. But I know that we're going to find a way. It's just, oh, it's what we do. It's what we do. I have had, I have had, I've never had less motivation to write about this team, boys, than I have in the past, the half, the past couple days. I just so mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the perfect, the perfect uh, breakdown that I heard today, and it was, it was at my, it was actually at my kid's birthday party, okay. And you guys, you guys will remember Greg. We might, we talked about Greg and, and and Jersey burning, and and uh, we love Greg. Greg's awesome. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you guys the same way Greg gave it to me today. And, and after, after, after Greg burned his Jersey, he said, you know, I'm no longer a Leaf fan. I'm, I'm Seattle all the way. And, uh, you know, I joked with him today about Seattle being a second round exit as well. And he said, well, they play more games and hundred percent. He's right. They oh, play yeah. more games. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think many had them getting past Colorado in that first round, but what he, the, the way he put it to me, from a Leaf fan who jumped ship last season was that last season was the year that he unrooted himself from the Leafs. He he took the roots that he had placed in this team and he had pulled them from the ground, ripped them out. And this was the year that the maple tree actually got knocked down. The, the maple tree just got knocked down and he, and he, you know, he, he still had this hope that they would make it and, and do something with it after that first round win. And yet again, they come up short and 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 and, and in Maple Leaf fashion, right? So, um, I, I just thought that was just such a clever way of putting it. Like you know, you tear the roots up, then you chip away at the at the tree until finally the you know it comes crashing down. And um, it, that's exactly how it is. That's exactly what they do. They get you. They get you to bite. They get you to, your hopes up. You know, hey, this season we're not playing Boston. We're playing Montreal. This is the year that we can get past the first round. You said that uh, you we said that about they Columbus the year before. We said it about yeah. Columbus the year before. Then Tampa, we have a chance. Then this year, Tampa again. They're gonna do it. They did it. And then in Maple Leaf fashion, they go down three-nothing to the Florida Panthers, and you know, the rest is history. So I, I agree with you. There's there's a lot you can say about this team. There's a lot you can you know, bring up about, you know, how they played in those first three games versus the, the, the actual grit and fight they may have put in those, those, the, you know, game four and five. And even then you can pick apart game four and five, but you had Joseph wall playing net. Yeah. Um, by that. He looked point, fantastic. Like, he did look fantastic. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Joseph wall, mm-hmm. but I, I also don't think Joseph wall is the guy that you throw into the limelight in the middle of the playoffs and say, Hey buddy, run with it. I think yeah. he's the guy that you throw in midseason and say, "Hey, this the net's yours for the next forty games, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and to throw, you know, especially in a pressure cooker situation like yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round, and you're like, "Hey, buddy, you got this." 
and the team just doesn't play in front of you. It, it, it you know, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot to see that kind of that effort. And uh, yeah, there's not much more you can say about the second round series against Florida, mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers. No, they deserve all the credit in the world for the way that they're playing. But at the same time, there is absolutely no reason that series with Toronto could not have gone seven games. Yeah. Like, Toronto, like it would have taken a miracle. Florida had momentum. Florida had momentum. We all know that Florida had momentum and they had their own reasons for momentum and they still do. The Leafs had 19 years worth of momentum and they couldn't take it further than one round. That's that's the part that gets me the most. So, yeah. Well, boys, before we jump into the next uh, topic here, just a quick word from one of our sponsors. Um, Indie Ale House, the offseason is back. And <laughs> with it, so are the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Getting ready for a night out or watching some playoff hockey at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay & Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Gil and Dundas. <laughs> With 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps, Indie Ale House is an, an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers to the beer geeks, uh, for the beer geeks, to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie L House is your go-to for game day. Well, boys, uh, do you have more- any other ad reads before the, in, in the episode? Well, we got, yeah, we got, we got yeah. our good ones. We got, you got, you got, got another one. Let me know when you have well, another one so. coming up. Cause I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a different music bed for it. <laughs> I was just about to say, that was like a sound of, um, sound of silence right there. Yeah. Forbes, <laughs> Forbes did that ad read live. He, he did that ad read live from the, uh, Indie Ale House location along the Nile <laughs> yeah, River. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. And Lord, Lord knows I've, uh, I've had a few drinks since the Leafs got knocked out boys and, mm-hmm. uh, Indie Ale House yep. is the way to go. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's we could talk all we want about the second round. We can talk all we want about the Leafs play throughout the playoffs, but the stories now is 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 what's happened in this offseason. And I think it's fair that we get right into the Leafs presser and 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 I mean both of them. I, let's talk Kyle Dubas, let's talk uh let's talk Brendan Shanahan and let's talk what the fuck happened <laughs> in the last 4 days that created this mess and this anarchy that's going on in Leafs Nation right now. I'm waiting for another call from Global. Throw me on with that. <laughs> but Alex, your your takeaways from what the hell is going on here in Leafs Nation? Dude, I don't even know how to react to what's happened. <laughs> honestly. Like, I, I actually can't. Like, this is the one of the first times since I've started watching the team that there's a big news story breaking out and I cannot form an opinion on it. And I know that's the absolute last thing that somebody that covers the team and does a podcast about the team should be saying, but I just think that we can't, I I can't give a full opinion on this until I hear both sides of the story, because right now it seems like Kyle Dubas has been silenced and banished to the gulag and not canceled. He's He's, been canceled. He has, he hasn't been able to like, he's, he's been dead silent ever since that press conference on Monday. And like I say, boys, you know what? I like at the start of the episode when I was like, I'm gonna have a lot of thoughts and no real way to say them. It sounds like a cliche, but I meant that 100. percent I meant that in every retrospect because you're gonna be hearing me doing a lot of starting and stopping and a lot of a t- lot of tangents and a lot of you know making points and breaking shit down without really having a destination. I'm gonna be doing a lot of it because I don't know what to say about this situation. You know what? There's there's part of me that thinks that that Dubas may have overplayed his hand a little bit and made Shanahan think that he was moving on for good. And then, you know, bounces back out of nowhere a couple days later and says, okay, I want to stay, but I want more money for it. And then another part of me is like Shanahan, if you sat there and had your extension in for Kyle Dubas in place for since the last summer, you wanted to extend him. Back in March, you had the extension in place, supposedly. I heard something about how the extension was even more in place after they got out of the first round with Tampa Bay. And then you hear one press conference. You hear him doubt himself once. And 
he's just he's just no longer in the plans just not even a thought just no he's gone and it was my decision like there's just so many unanswered questions there and i don't know whose side to take because while i think that dubas you know kind of got caught in a situation to fuck around and find out right I also think that Shanahan maybe shouldn't be making decisions to lead this organization based on his emotions, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're, like what? I'm at a loss for words, boys. I really am. And I'm going to pawn it off to one of you guys now because I don't, I, I don't know what to say. I really don't. This, this team has, has played with my emotions so much since I started watching them. And where I'm at right now, I really don't know. I really, this is the first time I've had nothing to say. I, I, I don't, so much to say, but so little to say. So I'm, I'm pawning it off to one of you guys. Peter, I'll let you go before I uh, go on my little, uh, my little monologue. Here. My little monologue here. Go ahead, Peter. It seems like when, okay, so obviously when we first heard that initial press conference, there was some doubt about Dubas because he did say that, you know, the year did take a toll on him and his family. And if you wanted to take a step back and reevaluate things, go right ahead. Totally understand that because, you know, if it, obviously family is important, your well-being and everyone else's well-being that you know that's close to you is important. I totally get that. But then you have layers and layers and layers that are just unraveling with this whole entire situation right now that it's like, what the hell is going on? And kind of like Alex, like I at a loss for words at how quickly everything unfolded. <laughs> And unraveled because, yeah, they did have a contract in place. Um, they liked what he did in the season, making the moves to better the team. They won the first round. They had the contract in place. Again, the doubts with Dubas. And because of those doubts, I could understand where Shanahan was coming from. Because if you don't have that commitment, then you have to start looking elsewhere. And you got to manage things out. But then there's, you know, stories that, you know, he was in meetings about what to do for next season or how to approach the offseason. There's the fact that, you know, he came back with a different contract with a little bit more money, supposedly, or a restructured contract. And it's like, well, you only won one playoff round and you want to try and renegotiate everything. I don't think that's how it's done. And then there's the fact that they were also butting heads throughout the whole entire season and how Dubas didn't have full autonomy with everything. So it's like... So then the question, but then that kind of begs the question of like at the same time, yes, Dubis, you haven't won around. What makes you deserve that extra money that you're asking for? Shanahan made it pretty clear in the past. I mean, when he originally hired Dubis for GM and then just his, his words up until that press conference in saying that Dubis was his first choice more or less because he wanted Dubis yeah. to lead this team. So you work for fucking Maple Leaf sports and entertainment. Can you not shell out that extra, that extra, whatever money it was? That is true. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just so many angles. It's like, I, like, I feel like this. So the way I felt this entire situation is like, I've got multiple devils on one shoulder and multiple angels on the other screaming different points of view at me. Like, I like, I'm sorry. I said I was going to pawn it off and here I am interrupting. (laughs) So go, I'm, I'm sending it back to you. I just, no, no, it's totally fine. But it's like so much is happening that you, there there's just so much doubt and uncertainty right now. And it's gotten to a point where the fans are fed up. They, they, the fans are behind Dubas. Obviously you're going to have those, you know, critics that keep on saying that, you know, he's not the right person for the job, even though he's done everything that the media and other people, those critics have said to make those improvements on it's, it's like now that he's not the GM anymore, that he's going and, or he could possibly go somewhere where he's taking that time to reflect on everything. Who who's going to step in? I'm hearing guy. I'm hearing names that I don't want to hear. I'm hearing <laughs> Ray Shiro. I'm hearing Dave Nonis. I'm Peter Shirelli. Peter Shirelli. Nonis is expected to take a front office role with Calgary, so don't worry about that. Okay. Okay. Nonis okay. Is off that, okay. I thought that was just That's a sick awesome. joke. And it's like I'm hearing that all is these a names. Sick, that is a sick joke. And then. Jim Benning, I, Jim Benning, and I'm well. Apparently, that photo was photoshopped. Apparently, so okay. there, there's a little false. Oh, you're, oh, you're talking about the one of him in the, in the airport. Yeah, no, that was 100 photoshopped. Yeah, so it's like they want a new voice, but they want experience. But all these experienced voices have failed 
in the past, even Mark Bergevin, like he's made some questionable moves. It's like, where do you go from here now that the guy that you trusted for so long is now gone? Boys, back at square one. You're back at 2015 where you wanted to have this identity and this newfound structure. And if you're not giving your general manager the autonomy that he needs to make the moves, to make this team a winner, and you're vetoing those moves, what does that say about Shanahan? Boys, did we did, – like, did ask yourself if a month ago you thought we'd be having a conversation about potentially Jim Nill or Peter Shirelli taking over as GM of the Leafs. Mark what, what the hell? What, where the hell are we, right? what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Go, <sighs> I, Forbes, you look like a guy that's bursting at the seams with words. So, more more questions than question, words. I, well, I, what are what are questions made of? Not enough words. Yes, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you don't have I'd all like, the words I, you want. No, no. I'd like to. I'd like to ask more rhetorical questions where I have an answer to them. But, um, so for me, like the thing I don't understand is that like. Not not only like a week ago, a week ago, you had a player development meeting where you had Kyle Dubas running the show. You had Kyle Dubas running the show, talking about how they can get this team better in and in, in place to kind of make that next run. Now there, there's, I mean, we can we can go on the the rumor mill here, and and we're not insiders, so we can we can kind of run with these rumors a little bit. But there's a lot of talk that Shanahan was not pleased that Dubas didn't get. Brandon Hagel last season. There's a lot of conversation around the Brandon Hagel that, you know, he should have gone out and got made that move when, when the time, you know, at the time. And obviously we know, we know the rest of that story. Tampa got him. Just to cut you off. I swear. I heard a rumor that Shanahan was the one that vetoed that. So maybe, 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 maybe it's vice versa. I may, I like, that's what I'm saying. I, there's, there's a lot of conversation right now around. Right. But, um, and, 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 I, from my understanding, there was some speculation around this this player development meeting and and how to better, you know, set this team up for for success and trend in the right direction. And one of the suggestions that was made by Dubis at this particular meeting was to streamline decision making. So right now in 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 the the Maple Leafs organization, you have the GM the GM who's making the making the decisions going through the president of hockey ops, Brandon Shanahan, going through the ownership group, yada, 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 up the ladder. And then it comes right back down the ladder to the GM who's now making the decisions. Okay. Um, not not exactly what you want as a GM, where you've got somebody breathing down your neck, basically mm-hmm. making the calls for you, which is also understandable. micromanaging everything too. Also micromanaging. So it, it's very understandable where Dubis would say, you know what? to pull off some of these trades that you want me to make or to pull off some of these trades that I think we need to make, I need more autonomy. I need I need to be able to make that decision in that moment in time, make the call, boom, it's done before another organization slips in and you know might swipe Brandon Hagel out from under your feet or what what have you. Whatever the whatever the case may be. That in doing that, the suggestion was that basically you kind of cut out the president of hockey ops which would be Brendan Shannon, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and it wasn't, in my understanding, it wasn't a knock on Brendan Shanahan. It wasn't a knock on saying like, you don't, we don't want you to be part of the decision-making. Mm-hmm. It was to say, hey, how can we make this happen so that it benefits the club and streamline it and make it a faster decision-making process? And obviously the idea was to, to cut out the middleman. Now, as you said, Alex, you don't want a guy in charge that's making decisions based on emotions. And let's 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 be real. Brendan Shanahan has an ego. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, who who in hockey right oh, now yeah. doesn't have an ego if you're in in upper management? Um, so, to me, I think that was part of it. Um, I think the money was part of it. For if Kyle Dubas's agent really did come back and say, "Hey," You know, this is the package we're looking for to help his family and make them feel better and blah, 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 blah. I do think that's a huge role in it as well. I don't think mm-hmm. Brendan Shanahan liked to be surprised. I don't think the ownership group of the Toronto Maple Leafs wants to be surprised. And I think that when it comes down to it, you know, to be caught off your, you know, having the rug essentially pulled out from underneath you, you know, any player that would do that, likely going to be traded, right? Um, so I think that plays a role in it. 
but for all of that shit to kind of unfold over a three day span where, and, and, and there, it, there is some speculation around the fact that uh, I guess Brendan Shanahan might've told, you know, Kyle, he doesn't want him to do this press conference on Sunday. Kyle goes out and does this press yeah. press conference or, or whatever on Friday, whatever, whatever it was. And from there, um, you know, there was obviously a little bit of frustration as well. If, if that is in fact the case, um, so, I mean, there's a lot of streams here and that's, that's why, you know, everyone's all saying like, you know, Brendan Shanahan was very open at his press conference and telling us what actually, okay, we have one side of this story and this Absolutely. story, yeah. this story is not done until <laughs> Kyle Dubas's contract is expired and he comes out and he says, yeah, no, this is, this is what happened. Now you have both sides of the story. You can kind of read between the lines and figure it out for yourself. But at this point, the Toronto Maple Leafs organization in terms of their upper management is looking very shady, especially when you have a guy like vintage, you know, resigning as you a know, result of that before Dubas or, be, or before Shanahan even takes the podium. Mm-hmm. So now you have a, another question mark on top of that. And, and, you know, there's some people out there saying, you know, uh, Spezza, what role did he really play? This is a guy that played with a number of players on the within the organization. This is a player who had the respect of, from of a lot of players within the organization, and obviously had the respect of the organization that they brought him in to an upper management role days after he retired. So, to say that he doesn't really have a role, I mean, now you're talking about the fallout from those two people leaving, and and we heard. Austin Matthews in his his postseason press conference say how much he respected Dubis, how much he liked having Kyle around. Um, that starts to get into your head, mm-hmm. and even having Spets as a role model too, and having Spets as a role model, having that guy in the room, having a guy that you're comfortable with, having a guy that you're comfortable with in upper management. You know, all of a sudden you've got a buddy who also might have your back when it comes down to it, and saying you know like maybe this guy is worth the money that we're going to give him. Maybe we should reconsider this. All that comes into play when you're talking about contracts, when you're talking about uh, maintaining a relationship with a particular player. All of that comes into, you know, adds context to the discussion. Now, in saying that, I don't want everyone jumping off a cliff because Elliot Friedman reported that, you know, Matthews isn't signing in oh prior God. to July 1st. <laughs> one, one, he can't. He can't sign the rule. an extension before July 1st. So let's get that straight first. I- Two, he's not, as Peter pointed out on Twitter, um, he's not going to sign without a GM there. So, well, dude, I can't, I, I couldn't believe how many people I saw jumping off the ledge after reading that. Like, <laughs> it's did, it's you, did, you, did you think that the Leafs not having a GM wasn't going to stall the process at all? I burned like, my Matthews jersey. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Burn it all. <laughs> he doesn't I want mean, to be here. He's done. It's done. He's, I'm he's, going, he's just, going to I'm Arizona and then he's going to Kansas City after that. I'm just I'm just picturing like a, a George Costanza style like freak out when he leaves the room, just like nope, this is it. He's done. <laughs> done. He's done. <laughs> Kyle Dubas is leaving. And now Matthews is as well. <laughs> that was probably uh, the most spot on George Costanza. Yeah, I've, been watching, I've been watching uh, I've been watching a fuck ton of Seinfeld oh, lately, boys. Uh. Man, I've been watching a lot of. I've been watching twenty four, so my Jack Bauer would be pretty good too. (laughs) See if you can work that into the episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll work on it. But like, just going back to the whole Matthew thing, it's like, you know, everyone is freaking out because oh, he can't sign before uh, July first or whatever. You can't do anything until the the period opens up. Like that's just the rule. That's just regular CBA contract talking period what have you and i understand people are on edge because you heard what happened you think that now that matthews is going to jump ship nylander is going to jump ship marner maybe when everything is all said and done with their no movement clauses but i think with that we should take a moment to relax because i'm hoping and i'm i'm an optimist guys you know me, I'm very optimistic. Even when I try to be pessimistic, I try to find the positive sides of things. I think they're not going to hire somebody that has had not necessarily a checkered past, but has had question marks in their decision makings with the roster and, and contracts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to play it safe. And I hope that they lean towards someone that has that 
similar mentality to Dubis, but just a little bit more experience and a little bit more success. So hopefully that may try and ease everybody. I know it's not, but that's just the way that I see things right now. But yeah, that that whole Matthew situation with the Freeman comment was just a little blown out of proportion, if you ask me. Yeah. All right, I gotta go get some water, boys. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. George Costanza voice did it. That's I think yep. that's did it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take this over for one more second here too, because I, I like. So here's the here's the thing for me, Peter, and and mm-hmm. and this is what I'm stuck on is that like you heard what these guys said in the, in their post game pressers. I mean, aside from the fact that he mentioned Dubis by name, that he you know he loves he loves having him there or whatever. They also all said that they want to be in Toronto and and and. Rachel Rachel Dory uh, pointed out a, uh, made a great point on Twitter as well, the saying Nylander that differential, right? The Nylander differential, and yeah. and saying that I want to be here long term versus I don't want to be anywhere but here. I don't want to be anywhere but here. And the difference, it, 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 there's a major difference, and I think that's that's something that people need to look at and 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 remember that the reason why there was so much conversation around Matthews and trading him last year was because his, his no trade clause kicks in, I believe July 1st, correct? Same time. Yeah. Same time. So the conversation cap friendly, but Oh yeah. So the conversation was, was to, to trade him prior to July 1st this year because they wanted to, you know, utilize the possibility of, of, you know, getting rid of the player, for something rather than nothing if he decides to leave at the end of his contract. But at the end of the day, like just because he hasn't signed yet, just because he hasn't, you know, um, the the Leafs aren't going to move him prior to July 1st doesn't mean that he's not going to re-sign with the Leafs. And sure, it might be another five-year deal. It might be something along those lines, but the fact is, this is a guy who stayed that he wants to be there, mm-hmm. and it's 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 the constant BS that comes from Leafs Nation that pushes these guys to get the fuck out of town, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and and if I'm Matthews, why the hell would I want to play for Toronto again? Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and especially and, when you're getting comments from the media or like speculation, sure, that that feels like okay. Well, it's like what do you know, kind of thing. Now Matthews does strike me as a personality that can handle himself in a in a in a mm-hmm. you know hot a hotbed of of bullshit that comes from the Toronto media. Like, I mean, I remember back to when he was sick and and Steve Simmons and the way he called him out in his press conference. That one sticks with me. Yeah. Um. And, and the way that he can vocalize his his frustration and, and and actually kind of disappointment in Toronto media when it when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. So to me, he's a guy that's perfect for being in Toronto. Um. So it, a guy like that, obviously, he's going to say all the right things. Um, but to me, he's a guy that wants to be with an organization that, you know, drafted him. He wants to be one of those career guys. And you, you see them very rarely now in the NHL. You see them very rarely in sports, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think panic panic has really set in. Like, this is this isn't like – this isn't like game one panic where, oh my God, we, we're down one nothing in the series. We're going to fucking lose everything. This is this like, like doom and gloom slash going to another rebuild. This is, yeah, this is like this is like what Chicago Blackhawks fans need to be feeling or or must have been feeling going into the uh, the NHL draft lottery, wondering if they're going to get Connor Bedard. Yeah. Right. Like we're, we're panicked. We don't have Kane. We don't have Taze. Our, our entire core that we had that we were built on. There's nobody left. Except for now, there's Seth Jones. Woohoo! Yeah. But at least that core got them a couple cups, though. Absolutely. But if you look back at any of the players, so you look back at Ovechkin, you look back at I, I believe Backstrom was on there as well. Their draft years, they didn't win their first cup until ten years into their career. Yeah, we got a three-year window here, boys. And even the same thing with window. Tampa, with Tampa Bay too, with their main core with like Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, they had success. But they could never win the cup. It took them a while to actually ten years. win. I believe, the I believe cup. it was ten years as well. There's there's there, there's a graphic out there on Twitter. Somebody somebody will find it and and shoot it over to us if you do. So but, ten years is the magic number. So based by those outcomes and results, five more years for the Maple Leafs. No. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> Matthews. Yeah, five more <laughs> years, right? Essentially. Uh, so 
you've got a window. You've got a window, and it's about finding those pieces that you're missing. And right now, mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it because Sammy had such a great year. Goaltending is still a hole. Goaltending is still a hole. You don't have that guy who is going to go out there and steal you a game. I, I, I don't. I, I was not sitting here that saying I was unimpressed with how Sammy played, but I didn't have an issue with the fact that there is some, you know, some kind of disappointment in the, the overall goaltending of the Leafs going into the playoffs, knowing what we know now, hindsight's 2020, mm-hmm. obviously. But I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, in terms of terms of what the Leafs, you know, what the mayhem that's going on in the front office right now, I think we, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot more coming out in the coming days. Oh yeah. Um, I think at, at a certain point, like, you know, I, I wrote a piece for the hockey writers, uh, just yesterday it came out today um, about uh, the Penguins looking possibly based on Freeman Friedman's r- report that the Penguins are likely going to reach out and see if they can speak to Dubas. I think if they get him under contract, um, you're going to hear from Dubas. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you're probably waiting until you know Dubas's contract expires with the Leafs, and and at that point, you know. There's going to be a lot more to this story. I, I there's going to be a lot more to this story, and people think that it's just. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I really, I really am not. But I think there's there's more to this that it broke down as as much as it did in the last three days, and especially when you have a guy like Elliot Friedman saying that this deal was done. It was on the two yard line, and they had a five year extension in place on the table, ready to go. That's Something happened. Yeah. Something happened. Five years, five year deal, and you're and, that close to putting pen to paper. And, and, and Dubas came out and said, I'm not sure I can commit. There, there's way, way, way more to this story than, mm-hmm. than yeah, you know what? Uh, his agent came back and asked for, uh, for a bigger financial package. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of, I, I lot of unanswered I think questions. That's it. I don't think that's it. Yeah. So there's going to be a hell of an athletic article about this someday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Inside Any- the Maple Leafs dressing room following the 2023 <laughs> second round loss to the Panthers. That's right. That's right. Uh, boys, before we move on here, another quick word from one of our beautiful sponsors, the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. You can also now bet on uh, who the next Leafs GM will be. Um, so jump on that. It's the right now, new customers can make. $5 bet is for $150 in bonus bets instantly. Um, as I mentioned, there's uh, obviously the new GM of the Leafs. What uh, what possible uh, person could could enter that uh, that spot for, for the Maple Leafs? Definitely hit, hit that up on DraftKings. But make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call uh, 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, Call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Must be 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Well, boys, um... Lots of lots of news if you have gambling problems uh, in the states, but I mean, apparently in in Ontario we don't have many gambling problems. So that's there you go. There you no, go. No, we have the opposite of a gambling problem. We have a we have a gambling celebration. We got we hot blackjack, baby. We got hot <laughs> blackjack. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> shout out to DraftKings, obviously for for sponsoring THPN and sponsoring this show now as well. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, what what's next for the Maple Leafs. Uh, the core four. There's obviously going to be some fallout from what we've seen, and we we kind of touched on it a little bit here um, in terms of the fact that you know Spets is gone. What he meant to that core four, but also if 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 I know I know Leafs Twitter is going crazy right now with trade possibilities and who they're going to move. 
Peter, are we looking at a trade of the core four here? Are we looking at one piece maybe not being with the Maple Leafs to kick off 2023-24? Consider okay, well, this was before we knew what was happening between Dubas and Shanahan. Um Dubas did say that nothing was on off the table when it came to moving a member of the core four. And obviously the no movement clauses kick in on July 1st. So there's a very, very short window for when that can happen. And obviously because we don't have a GM, I mean, Brandon Pridham's overseeing things right now. So maybe he could try and make a move if that's possible, but who knows? But let's face it. Matthews and, and Tavares are not going anywhere. I mean, Tavares flat out said that he's not waiving his no trade clause. Matthews is your number one center. It's ultimately coming down to Marner and Nylander. And unfortunately, it, it, it's got to be one of those as a cap casualty to try and shake something up. But at this point right now is, do you go with Marner that has had great regular season success but has been kind of a ghost in the playoffs when it matters most especially in that series against the Panthers or Nylander who has been putting up back-to-back 80 point seasons plus is a, has come up with some clutch goals in the last two playoffs play, playoff years the only reason why Nylander may be a casualty is because of that 6.9 million cap it and he has a modified no trade clause too, so that kind of makes it a little bit easier to move him more so than it is Marner. And you know, it, it, it's difficult. It's interesting to see what can happen because at this point right now, seven years with this core, one playoff series to work with, maybe you do need to change. You do need to shake something up and say, "Hey, it wasn't working. This person is going to be a result of the fallout." Now you have more money to work with. You could bring in somebody else trying to crew more pieces to make this team a little bit more competitive and bring in something that was missing, just like just like Florida did with Matthew Kachuk. I mean, look what he's doing right now. Plain and simple. He's, he's putting up an MVP-like season or put up an MVP-like season and even is in the running for the, you know, Conn Smythe. You, you need that game changer. And so far... Are you going to keep that in Nylander or trade him away or keep Marner or trade him away because of, you know, the discrepancies between the two when it matters most? Alex, where are you going to get your biggest bang for your buck when it comes to the core four? If in fact the Leafs look to move one of these pieces. (sighs) I don't know, dude. (laughs) I'm going to be answering with that a lot. I know it's not good podcast talk, but. I think you can make an argument for both players, Marner and Nylander, like like Peter said. Um, Nylander's obviously he's got the cheaper he's got the cheaper uh, dollar sign on his on his deal. So if the Leafs wanted to dangle him and see what they could get for him, I guarantee they'd be able to drive up the price a little more than Marner just because of that. That being said, Marner's got two more years after the he's got two, next year and then he's got the year after. So despite the fact he's making ten million dollars, if you can sell him on the fact that he's Pretty much a 100-point player. Hasn't officially hit it yet, but he's missed some time with injury to that credit. So um, you're, he's he's in the ballpark of a 90- to 100-point player. One of the best defensive forwards in the league. Um, really good on the penalty kill. You could, you, could, you could market and sell all these things, and I think that would possibly... Um, introduce the possibility of, of getting him getting him out of here before William Nylander just because he's got that extra money and if you can sell the fact that he's got all these skills and these traits um, that 10 million dollars is a bargain for him um, I think the Leafs should look at moving Marner before Nylander just because Nylander I think has just been more consistent and impressed me more overall in big moments um, that being said it's really hard to say right now what happens because I think a lot of it depends on the new GM too whoever that ends up being um the new GM comes in here and, uh, you know, instantly hits it off with Matthews and Marner, but doesn't get along with Nylander. I mean, he, he Nylander's might, might be the guy on his way out or I don't know. It's really hard to say right now. Um, I, I think that's a question that you can definitely mull over and think about right now. But at the same time, I also don't think that that's something you can really answer until we see who comes in and how he, how he kind of handles the core players. Cause I mean, Shanahan did say he wanted someone who, 
would would not be afraid to make a tough decision, which did that not just scream potentially trading a core four <laughs> yeah, player, right? No, like what yeah. what the hell else would that mean? Writing's right? on the wall with that. So yeah, it's gonna be an exciting summer, boys. And I'm not gonna lie, as much as I think that losing Dubas was potentially a big mistake and could be one of the worst moves this team has made in, in, in the Matthews era. There is also a sick, sick part of me as a fan that's just happy to see change because I'm not, I'm going to be real. We're looking at a summer where potentially Keith is not returning behind the bench. Potentially one of the core four is gone. Ask yourself this for as much as, you know, it would be, it would have been great to keep Kyle Dubas and keep everybody under wraps how would you have felt looking at another training camp with the core four and Dubas and Keith all arriving at training camp with the same smiles on their faces as every other year saying, well, let's try this thing again. Let's right. run it back. Let's run, run it back. Right. Like, <laughs> like you can seventh time all year long. I made my justifications about Kyle Dubas. I've been, a, I have been the biggest Dubas defender. Ask anybody I talk mm. to. I have been the biggest Kyle Dubas defender since I started writing about the team and since he was hired on as GM, I think that his, his moves had correct principle in place. His moves had the correct layout. They had, they all had the right, they he had the right idea with all of them. You can make some arguments that some of those moves didn't work out. You can, you can point out several bad moves he's made as well. I still think that Kyle Dubas is the best this team has had in the past two, uh, past 20 years. And yet there's still a part of me that's like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle seeing every single familiar suspect come into training camp again saying, well, we're feeling good. The group believes in each other, ready to uh, live and learn. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, uh, win uh, more than one playoff round this year. Right. Like I just, I, 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 that there's a sick part of me as a fan. That's just like, okay, we've seen this movie play out so many times. Let's just try something different. So I don't know. Well, I, I have to see what this team does this offseason because, as we know, change does not always mean good. The thing I'll, is, uh, if they go after, sorry, Forrest, if they go oh, after somebody that has the same mindset, attitude, and mentality like Matthew Kachuk, that is what this team is, needs and that's what this team is lacking. Obviously, he brings a skill. Obviously, he could be in your face and the antics, whatever, but. You heard his press conference when he arrived in Florida that he meant business. You need someone like that that can try and motivate this group a little bit more than what they have right now. Problem is, though, how many of those guys are in the league right now that have the same same level of talent as Matthew mm-hmm. Kachuk? Like, that's, and, 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 and that's, what, that's what I mean. Like, he's and, and like, agree. He's Frank Cervelli had a piece uh, on Daily Face Off that basically was like prior to the season. Matthew Kachuk was considered an elite player um, entering his, his tenure with Florida, which I, I think there's probably, if you look back, there's probably a thousand people saying like, you're full of shit. And now you look at it and you're like, man, this guy care. This guy carried the fucking team. Mm-hmm. This guy carried the team still is, and, and still is in the playoffs. And, and I mean, I, I just don't know if there's another player like that right now that the Maple Leafs can get their hands on that, you're not spending not only current roster players, but players from your future as well. And I don't know if you're ready to break the bank for that. I don't know if you're in the position to do that. You still need goaltending. You still, you're still right up against the cap and you still have to figure out what the future of your star players are. I think there's way too many question marks, but I, I, Alex, I do think you nailed it though. in, In saying that, you know, it's, I I'm right there with you with Dubas. I, I, I think, I think, this is going to come back to be a very big mistake at a certain point. I really do. I think we're going to look back on this and say, well, you know, what could have been um, at the same time? I, I, they needed to change something. They needed to change something. And it wasn't going to be Sheldon Keefe and it wasn't going to be Brandon Shanahan. And I, I highly doubt that it was going to be one of the core four players. Um, if, if Dubas was still around. Um, so I think by default, it ended up being Kyle Dubas. And and unfortunately, I don't think there's a better option out there right now than Kyle Dubas for no, that job. Not. So I think that's where you're that's that's where you're stuck. And and at the same time, you needed to make a change. You needed to come into next season and saying, you know what, we we decided to go a different route. You know what? And you would hope that after you would hope that this is a ripple effect down to the core four that nobody's safe. Yeah. Nobody's safe. You would hope that that's what it is 
because Kyle Dubas has been here for their entire tenure. He's been the GM of this team for every year of their ten their tenure, except for two, I think, the first two. So when you see a guy like him who brought in Ryan O'Reilly, who brought in Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, who brought in all these players, Luke Shen, and who signed John Tavares to his contract, when you see the guy who made all the moves to get that team to the most elite points they can be at, and he gets fired because the president of the team had a change of heart overnight. That should tell you that nobody is safe, and that should tell you, listen, if you want to play here, you got to play here. You can't just coast here. Mm-hmm. But also, also, if if the money talk is real, then it also says you if you're going to ask for more money, see you later. Yeah. Right. And it, it kind of sets a tone for like this Boston mentality where like, hey, star players, you want to win. You're going to have to take a pay cut. Now, I don't think with the the personalities that the Leafs have that that's going to be the case. You don't have a Patrice Bergeron that's going to go into that room and say, look, I'm taking 6.5. I know I'm worth 8.5, but I'm taking 6.5 because I want to win with this core. You don't have those those personalities yet. Mm-hmm. Um, can they get there? I mean, these guys are still these guys are still kids. Like they're they're 24 years old. Like they can still they can still get to that point ment- like mentally, but they need to do it quick because their next contracts are coming up. So mm-hmm. it, it there's like this is this is what I mean. This was this is one of the the toughest off seasons for the Leafs and they're do they're going into it without a GM. So I think I think it's just a shitty shitty situation for this this team to be at. Um that said, I mean I I, I don't know what else you could have done. I I really don't. I, I I think they they did exactly what they needed to do. I do think it was a rash decision by Shannon. I think he was a little bit butthurt over some of the comments that were made in the the presser by by Kyle and and I think uh, it came back to to come out a little bit more emotionally than he he probably hoped. But I mean, you know, everybody everybody has reactions sometimes, and I think this is just Shanahan's way of saying, "Look, we're we're making change, and we need to do it now." And and yeah. Dubis is the one that goes. Forbes, just circling back to your comment before, how there's probably no one better than Dubis at this point to try and lead this team. I, I full, fully full heartedly agree with that. But if there was two people in mind for that GM spot that I would have the full confidence at, that has the experience like Dubis, obviously they have one of them in Brandon Pridham. That, that guy knows the salary cap inside out and he can go in knowing that they still have someone on from that Dubis from Dubis's inner circle and the guy that knows the salary cap inside out Eric Tulski from the Carolina hurricanes. He's worked his way up in their system. And even I hope they circle back to him, Mike Fuda, because looking at his resume with the Kings director of amateur scouting, VP of hockey ops, assistant general manager, and then he goes to the special assistant general manager to the Carolina hurricanes. Those, those two Tulski and Fuda, specifically have had success in their position. Those two guys, I think are might be somewhat of an improvement over Dubis, but are still in that realm that they make the smart decisions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then before we get to our last points here, just a, a word from our last sponsors here, Raycon headphones, uh, let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations and our bank account somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Dupe session. Man, they must know what my bank account's looking like. Uh, most, <laughs> most products do the same thing but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can listen to what you want when you want to without breaking the bank. Uh, Perfect for anybody that's, you know, obviously, as we mentioned, suffering from this crazy inflation. Or if you are somebody that loses your earbuds quite often, this is the perfect pair of earbuds for you. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, 
Every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They are no, they have no, noise uh, isolation and awareness mode. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon, Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. So boys, the future of Dubis still up in the air. A lot of speculation that Pittsburgh might be the, the landing spot. Um, now his loyalties are gone, as I mentioned in my piece. So he can certainly, I know he said he's not going to be anywhere next year. He uh, certainly will uh, listen to offers, I'm sure. But your thoughts on Sheldon Keefe, Alex, where does he end up? Does he end up back behind the Leafs bench? Um, I'd be shocked if he does just because, uh, he's Sheldon Keefe's or sorry, he's Kyle Dubas's boy and, uh, they've been together for the entire run. And yeah, I don't know. Um, I, in my opinion, if they're, if you're going to fire Keefe, you might as well, or fire Dubas, you might as well fire Keefe as well. But who knows? Maybe there was a, uh, maybe, maybe we see a different version of Sheldon Keefe without Kyle Dubas there. I don't know. Honestly, it's kind of, it's really hard to say at this point. Because if you asked me before the Dubas parted ways, I would have said, if anyone's going, it's Keefe. No way Dubas goes, and now look where we are. So uh, I still think that Keefe, there is a sword that Keefe can fall on. But at the same time, um, it would also equally, it would it would see me, it would, it would, it would just, I can't even put the sentence together. <laughs> it would equally, it would shock me equally if, if Sheldon Keefe stayed with the Leafs, I guess is what I was trying to say. So. Peter, are you uh, are you along the same lines as Alex, or what are your thoughts on Sheldon Keefe's future with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, usually if the GM goes, the coach follows suit very soon or follows uh, soon after that. But then again, similar to Dubis, who's a better coach on the market than Sheldon Keefe and the success that he's had in the regular season? Now, if he's able to not be, you know, somewhat stubborn with his lineups where you're putting in players in a position where they really shouldn't be like Justin Hall in the top four, Alex Kerfoot in the top six. If you have better players to play over them and they're not in the lineup, you better damn well play them and give them every opportunity of what their potential could be. Because I could not imagine another scenario where he's putting Kerfoot in the top six and Hall in the top four where you're getting no offense from Kerfoot at all, aside from the one game winning goal against Tampa Bay. And then Justin Hall, where, you know, he seems to have a lapse every single game. Um, I think that kind of falls on him because he was outcoached. He didn't do anything to try and turn the tides because he's playing the players that really don't show up or haven't proved anything. So if he's able to try and get out of that mindset and play or ice a winning team every single time, especially when it matters in the playoffs, great. But I think that if he's staying, this may be the last chance that he has. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you. I think, uh, you know, I think, Keefe's on his way out. Uh, I think it's just part of, you know, part for the course in terms of what happens normally when you, when you get rid of a GM like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, I don't think there's a lot of great options out there. And I think right now the Leafs have to kind of look at that and, and, and figure out, you know, which route they're going to go. And if they're going to go that way, I mean, I, I personally don't have an issue with the way that Sheldon Keefe kind of coached that team aside from the Justin Hall bullshit that happened throughout the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, Aside from that, like I think he's he's done a, a number with this with this team in terms of getting the point production that they need to to get to you know to a point where they should be successful in the playoffs. I, I just you know you have to question kind of what happened come playoff time that made this team look so different from the regular season and and maybe that's on the decision making up top, maybe that's on the decision making behind the bench, um, and that's where you have to evaluate it before you make that final decision. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks around this team. Obviously, we're going to be with you guys all summer, so we got lots of time to talk about the answers that will obviously come. Um, 
but aside from that, gentlemen, I think that's that's it for episode 124, our first episode with THPN. You guys have anything be- before we close it out here? Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Oh, we got, we, hey, Tim. Tim just uh, showed up for the last little bit here. Uh, hey, guys, Tim. At home tuning in. Tim, appreciate it, buddy, as always. We're just closing up shop for the night. But uh, hopefully you like the new layout. Hopefully you like uh, joining us on THPN. And uh, we look forward to uh, you joining us next. Uh, where are they going? Where's who going? Where's who going? Uh, <laughs> Keith, and, Keith and Dubas, who knows? Who knows? Ottawa, maybe. Battle of Ontario. <laughs> Lots of speculation. Anyways, sorry, guys. Any Anything you guys wanted to add before we close it out here? Nah. I mean, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy mm-hmm. ride. Buckle up. It is going to be a very bumpy ride. And as mentioned, we'll be with you guys all summer on the THPN Network, the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings and Raycon. And, of course, the Sticks in the Six podcast Brought to you by the fine folks at the Indy Ale House. As always, you can follow Alex at Ahobson Media. You can follow Peter at P. Barrichini. You can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. Or you can follow the podcast at any of those um, any of those tabs on the bottom. Instagram, Twitter. We've got uh, TikTok, YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe. And we'll be jumping on all the streaming platforms from the THPN network as well as our own. So make sure you tune in, download our episodes. We were number 77 in Switzerland. So all our Swiss friends, thank you as always for tuning in. Boys, until next week, episode 125, we'll shut it down for the evening.